Mutasa Bhagavatu Arahato Sama Sambutasa Namutasa Bhagavatu Arahato Sama Sambutasa Namutasa Bhagavatu Arahato Sama Sambutasa Udang Dhammang Sangang Namasami So this is a <coughs> teaching and it's going to help us focus on doing the, some work on ourselves. Slow work, quick work, subtle, soft. It's uh, working things out. Sometimes it's about loosening things up bringing things to the surface, resisting, checking, encouraging, gladdening, blessing, resting. These are all forms of, let's say, the activity. Some of it doesn't seem like activity, you can call taking a rest an activity. But in the um, language of Dhamma, that's an, act, that's an activity. It means make some, there's some kind of choices made, you know, Choice can be just to step back, and that's called an action. Doesn't mean it's all forward into the fray, battle axe waving stuff. It's just any time, you know, the mind is always, stuff is moving, possibilities occur, somehow there's a sense of this, do this, we do this, we do this, we're doing it all the time. It's called mental karma. You know, every time we choose something, linger with something, brush something away, that's mental karma. Anytime we pick up an attitude and sustain it, that's mental karma. Anytime we uh, follow through on a, on an attitude or a, or a habit, that's mental karma. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, if you like, the medium that is the medium of all that is called sankara. Sankara is almost like your um, psychological nerve endings, you know, or your psychological genetic code. I mean, it's the kind of moment by moment programming, you know, that means I go this way, I always incline that way. I'm a shy person, I'm a nervous person, I'm a extroverted, you know, extroverted or this, that or the other, you know. There's the sankharas, this means a particular patterning. And the work, if you like, the working on it is um, clearing it out. So we're no longer just reliving our old stories over and over again. Some of them are not pretty dismal, aren't they? Some of them are just kind of oh, boring, limiting, you know. This is just about getting by, you know, doing the same me all over and over again. <laughs> you know, is that it? Is that what life is about? <laughs> hmm. Well, actually, the uh, you know, see the 
possibility of a really uplifting view of what our life could be. It could be getting clear of this. It could be actually something that's really brave and bright and unpredicted, marvellous. At any time we're able to kind of step out of the the um, you know the weight of habit, and it's it's an internal. It's not just how much sugar you take in your tea or whatever. It's really the internal psychological forming of oneself. Anytime we can get some perspective on that and release that, you know, something fresh, something light, something comes through. Mm. Yeah. And so this isn't just kind of external habits, like how you name yourself, Nama, how you know yourself. And that sometimes it's good to not, to unknow yourself, to not know, you know, me again. And, you know, in the kind of more, kind of canonical language, it said, this is peaceful, this is excellent. This is sublime, the stilling, the quietening, the stilling of all sankharas, nibbana. Nibbana is the stilling of all this, it's the clearing of all this. So, when you get a kind of sense of that, you, you you know who you are. That's what you. That's what you need to clear. <laughs> How do you do that? Uh, who's going to do that? Hmm? It's actually also just not all suddenly bang, a whole lot's gone in one shot. There's a process there. It's called the process. It gives you some idea of the sankaras, not just little thoughts that pop into your mind. The basic mindsets and uh, very deep. You know, so you have this list of these ten fetters which describe the process for everybody. You know, you know it's, it's like the particular ways in which we're formed. And this is the first first level, or the most apparent level, we might say, is a kind of more cognitive. It's the kind of sense of our personality, the routines, the customs the little conventions that we follow, my little habits that I feel familiar with, and then the sense of um, wavering and uncertainty about Dhamma. It doesn't necessarily mean Buddhist teachings, but it means really the way out. So, and this is the, you know, because this is really important that you actually realize that the, you know, you get given, you can be given the, whole range of tools and medicines, I mean, we say the teachings, but then you, you know, what, what ones and what way to use them for you to get to unlock, you know? So if you, when we don't know this, we're uncertain this, we're often using a hammer when we need a chisel, or we're using, a, you know, a sledgehammer when we need a feather, you know? So it's this kind of uncertainty, wavering down. So we get caught in that because we tend to then fall back to our 
free-form strategies or what somebody else has told us or what we did, you know. We go back to that. And these can be quite lethal, some of them, can't they? You know, if in doubt, feel inadequate. Because <laughs> you know that we know that one. Or if in doubt, blame somebody else. <laughs> or blame yourself. You know, these kind of reflex things that kick in. Yeah. You know, if in doubt, suck your thumb. Can tighten it all up. Control it all. You know, distract. Don't go into that kind of fuzzy space mm, of wavering. This is the first first level, the first three of these fetters. So you see how, you know, particular formative tendencies occur in these ways. You, you see some of those? You know, how when you can't be yourself, say when you go to a foreign country, you go to India, say, you know, and suddenly people don't know what a private space means. They don't, haven't got that. They don't understand that you've got this zone around you, a metre wide, which is mine, and nothing should intrude on that without negotiation. They don't know that one. <laughs> I'm walking around in my bubble, you know, people just walk straight in. Look at you. You know. <laughs> okay. Wrong, wrong, this is wrong. <laughs> you know, customs, the personality traits, and so on, suddenly get jolted, and you feel really odd for a while. And you want to get back to normal, because we all believe, basically, I'm normal. <laughs> Somewhere that yeah, something has to. Otherwise, you go, go crazy. But actually, you recognise it. Nobody's normal, or it's normal to not be normal. There isn't really much of a norm apart from these particular fetters of the norm. Sankaras. And then you have another list, which are really the, the second lot of the fetters that do much more with the emotive, impulsive, pleasure-pain experiences, from the obvious sensual pleasure, sensual pain, and the agitation that occurs around that, and then the more subtle mental delight, form, mental, subtle mind states, and then formlessness. Mm-hmm. And then the last lot about kind of intuitive senses which is conceiving oneself to be some state or some awareness or something or the other and um, restlessness and unknowing and these are these are pretty subtle you know so the thing about these fetters is that it takes a while to even you know get on the starting grid with them <coughs> you know when I was kind of digging holes in my school desk trying when I was supposed to be listening to Latin lessons I sure wouldn't think about attachment to fine material states of mind you know <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't on the desktop for me or personality view you know 
But these things are actually innate. They're not kind of conditioned in by a particular society. They're, they're just innate. And the Buddha says even a newborn baby who doesn't seem to have a lot of attachment to fine material states of mind, still it's latent. It's gonna. It's somewhere in that packet, you know. And as you meditate, you start to, as you start to purify a little bit of the really, really external distractedness. You come down to this level of sankharas. You be so you need to get into. On the starting grid with them means you've done some work. <coughs> some things have settled out. The superficial crackle and the static has died away, and you're starting to see, hey, who is this being? You know, who is he? What does he do? You know, this sense of this meanness sense, hmm? and take it seriously. Well, you know, be watchful of that. Be watchful of that. Programs. <clears throat> you know, so this be, because this is where we the karma, you know, it all means you keep we keep doing that. We keep getting recreated in our roles and functions and positions and duties and habits and so on. <clears throat> He says the Buddha says there's a way out of this, and the way out is through mental karma, <coughs> mental inflection. You know, just encouraging, resisting, exerting, resting, widening, suffusing, gladdening, brightening—all the kind of. I mean, you put them in a list; it sounds like it's frantic, but it, I mean, you know, it's not not at that speed. Yeah. You know, because the process, sometimes the processes of meditation it can be very slow. It can be taking, you know, weeks to really learn to rest. Mm. Or to sustain a particular facility or faculty of mind. And the most important, well, big piece is is how we something in us understandably often feels stymied or, or tends to reject the whole I am doing meditation bit because you can begin to sense that in doing meditation in doing practice uh-uh, it's me again you know, running my programs down the meditation system running my control programs, running my I've got to be, running my I've got to get, running my comparisons, running my craving into meditation. <clears throat> you know? So in some sense, well, I don't do with that. So how do you do, what do you do then? You know? And there's a lot of this, this is where we sort of start to learn about, uh, um, you know, changing our karma around. But it's a necessary phase because this is where you start to learn things about, um, you know, really not so much. You're operating on two levels. You like to see since the particular thing you're doing, but the mindset behind that, you know, which is where the the, the real um, sankharas lie. You know, so you can be doing anapanasati mindfulness of breathing, and you don't really know it because it's so normal. 
become so normal to have this unspoken mindset of do it, get good of it, get somewhere with it. Yeah. And it's become so, you know, you don't even, you can't even see it because it's just, it's there, it's such a not, not we do it with it, you know, with any, anything would will have that kind of mindset with it. So you think, okay, what do you do with that? Yeah. You say, well, okay, don't meditate. You think that, you know, if, we, if that would be the way out, great. But then you think it's likely that somehow those those programs are not going to operate on, on other other things you do. You see them more intensely and clearly in meditation. That's what they show you. It doesn't mean they don't operate at other times. So what are we going to do? You know? The Buddha said there's different kinds of karma. There's there's good bright, you know, which means you, you do something, you get a sense of helping, giving, whatever. Black, dark karma, you're doing malice, jealousy, aversion, you act on that. Mixed up, when you're a bit confused, good wishes, but sort of slightly few attachments built in. The characteristic of all of these, it, these are karma created by a being, some Somebody does them. And he said there's another kind of karma which is called karma that leads to the end of the karma, which is the one you want to know about. And this is not done by a being. That's the difference. It's not done. It's done. There is an intention. There's a directive. There's an inclination. But it's not personal. Perhaps our first thing that we begin to um, get a sense of is how to meet, you know, rather than meet ourselves, how to um, bring around the kind of qualities of mind that are bigger than me, you know. So rather than operating from little me, you know, there's going to be some sense of a movement from a bigger space. And the way we learn now that bigger space is because it's the space or it's the mind that can acknowledge the little me with some graciousness, some kindness, some compassion, some clarity, some guidance. You know? You know what I mean? You know, when you actually start to see your act, see what you're doing and instead of you know scurrying or whatever there's a sense oh there he is and instead there's a kind of an opening a widening something you could say it's compassion empathy some clarity there's some supervision and in that larger sense is where these what are called enlightenment factors Factors of enlightenment, they, 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 they grow there. The mindfulness, you know, which is, of course, the thing. Mindfulness means it's, it's just kind of noticing things, something, actually bearing something in mind. It's got no particular aim, per se, apart from just to bear something in mind. So it tends to cut across the, you know, what I want to, what I want to, how long, why, you know, stuff. 
just bear something in mind, something simple. Sense of your body, breathing in and out, you know, feelings. And uh, and then this, this is the beginning of it. You can kind of witness the or the, the struggling, the, the mirroring, the self-images that arise in that, and you, you stay with it, and you're feeling, you're starting to feel the thing out, the sampajanya, as it actually is. What really, what really fits. Hmm? Form is good. You actually see something that actually fits. But today I was uh, trying to fix a piece of machinery, which is a joke, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I like. I generally, I something in me is encouraged or wishes to undertake things that I'm a complete nerd at. <laughs> because uh, it, <laughs> I don't want to keep doing things that I'm good at. I don't want to be keeping me again. So something he likes to take things on that I'm not really. I know I'm, you know, I'm not good at. I'm not adept at. So I was trying to fix this piece of machinery with, with Damarako, you know. I mean, it's one bit it was trying to undo a bolt, you know, and particularly it's kind of in a difficult position, stuck behind a plate. You know, so you've got to try and get a spanner in there, and you know, I think oh, I want to get this thing undone so that it's all guesswork, because you've got to actually take this thing apart to find out what's wrong with it. Yeah, get a spanner in there, just about can't be seen. The thing will not do it according to my speed, my inclination, and it will—it will actually—it refuses me. It's not deferential, respectful, polite, spacious, allowing—all <laughs> those things that nice Buddhists are. <laughs> it's cussed, awkward, indifferent to my pleas. I could weep over it and it didn't care. You know, skin my knuckles, that's fine, doesn't, doesn't matter. I'm going to get this thing in there and just feel the, the impatience in that. You know, and that can't do this, don't want to do this, want to go back to my cootie and sit and go into some nice kind of spacious state. And then getting the spanners, and then you get one's half an inch, it's too big, okay? One seven sixteenth, it's too small. <laughs> so you're rambling around in the drawer. Go to metric measures. Finally, you know, get one. And I was so pleased that I actually managed to get this spanner on the nut and turn it. Oh, this was, you know, because just this. I didn't have to fix the machine. Just that you'd be able to undo one nut was a kind of major. Dispelling of self-view. <laughs> well, not made, you know. But just, just witnessing the kind of 
feeling of oh somebody else could do this for me or, you know it's going to be alone or some meditation retreat or be a nice space in my duvet and sit there and go into thinking about something other which <laughs> just uh, just actually having to meet something tangible formed mm. and see the self things, the self-programs that arise at that place of of resistance. And it's just, there it is, there he is. It's not all the story, a little bit. It's not all that I am, a little bit there. And then how just to hold that, be with that, you know, work with that. You know, just get back to the nut you know, just feel out what the nut really needs, exactly what spanner, you know. Doesn't matter whether you succeed or not, just just learn that little bit. Well, I think for, certainly for myself, and particularly in monastic life, you know, you get so spacious that it becomes almost the hindrance. The unwillingness to meet limitation, exactness, time, place, funk, you know, just to meet it. Particularly on a kind of course level. You get so much of this sort of basic, the sankara, the programming you can get into is just step back, withdraw, go inert, let it happen, let it be the way it is. <laughs> you just do that all the time. <laughs> Till it becomes, I'm not saying it's wrong, because it, it's one of the, certainly one of the one of the flexions, one of the movements you can do. But you begin to see that any one of them is liable to get to, you know, shed some light, but also create some shadow, some way in which you can start to operate around that and use it as a place to hide, as a place to hang out, to not have to make a choice. And whatever, it's fine with me. Whatever you want, it's okay, you know. It's the fine though the big challenges is somebody take me to a you know, a restaurant or something saying, What do you want to eat? I go, Whatever <laughs> The waiter comes along and says, What do you want rattles off this list of things you got uh, uh, you can't say whatever, you've got to say I wanna uh, you know one of these. So I got you know America is great for that because so many choices, you know. You can't just get a cup of coffee, they don't sell coffee. So I learned, I learned some of these lines on a frappuccino, moshe, latte, semi. Okay, it's pretty impressive. I don't even know what it is, but I just kind of rattle out this list of words and they, they could go off and give me something. <laughs> what size? <laughs> Medium. What kind of sweetener do you want? <laughs> it's relentless. And to, so, yeah, it's kind of seeing the kind of resistance to, to taking on a form, to being specific, to being personal. It's funny how you can make a kind of a personality tray about being impersonal. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe a lot of people don't. 
Sure, the monastics do. Because <laughs> that's the way it can go. Just withdraw. It's all right. Let it go. Fine with me. Follow along. But it's not about you know being demanding and stroppy all the time either. It's just kind of sensing. Can you be? You know, just know, be specific about, well, right now the energy's this, right now the body's that, right now the thought is this, right now, you know, that's what I want, I don't have to get it, but if you want to ask what I want, yeah, that's the way the want goes, and see what happens with that, how we meet that. don't have to follow it, but I just like, just put it there, you know, see what happens to it. You know, it seems reasonable. <clears throat> so for that, you know, you're actually starting to operate not exactly from yourself, but with with your bearing bearing your pat bearing yourself in mind, attuned to that, and attuned to those those reflex twitches where you just start to go into automatic, you know. And I can almost sense my mind is a kind of fuzzing, you know, sliding away from from clarity into just well, do that. In sense, you know, do you want to have lived your life as that, as a kind of fuzzy? <laughs> it was all right. I got by. <laughs> In general, I think for us, there's, there's, when I talk to people and I contemplate my own mind uh, over years of it, it almost seem to be certain psychological or self patterns that, that people have in common. You know, well, it's about control, holding on, being good, making it work. Um, a lot of it's about being separate. You know, certainly, thinking the nasty life, a strong feeling of want to be away, want to be away from this, want to be not touched, want to be not seen. You know, they want to sit on their own. It's one of those old, um, you know, like everything is a stereotype, a cliche, but mostly we notice, you know, and you get a a group of Thais come to the monastery, they want to sit together, they hold each other, they snuggle up. A group of Westerners come to the monastery, <laughs> you've got that one corner of the room, you're in that corner of the room, <laughs> you're over there. <laughs> they want the metre of space, at least, you know, to feel comfortable, okay, you're fine, separate, you know. And, uh, and the, the Thais are all clustered together, you know. Ties the big challenge is to spend a night in a cootie on your own. For us, the big challenge is to spend a night in a cootie with somebody else there, you know, without having an argument or demarcation dispute. <laughs> this is my side of the room, mine. Yeah. My things are this way. <laughs> Do we have the window open or not? We'll have to have a process about that. So, 
you know, you look at things like this that are not kind of little thoughts bobbing into the mind, they're basic mindsets. And uh, you start to get in touch with them. You know? When you feel the little, you know, impulses of, uh, really important to get the sense of just feeling these kind of, you know, not, not unconscious, but sublimely con- conscious, kind of half conscious reflexes of things we take for granted and normal, where we feel affronted or challenged. How much space do you need? How close do you like people to stand when they talk to you? And how much difficulty have you created about just a simple thing like that? Like, you know, I don't want you to be two feet away, I want you to be four feet away. I feel uncomfortable if you're two feet away. I feel you're dominating me, you're, you're obstructing me, you're demanding, you're bossy, you're overwhelming. No, they're not. They're just standing two feet away, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> when I like it four feet away, you know, to get specific about what's really happening rather than run your whole life story again about being crowded or or the opposite, isn't it? Why is everybody always walking four feet away from me? I can be two feet. Could you come closer? You know, I feel lost. And uh, you can be kind of these little pieces of life story being played out and then mindfulness aware investigation what's going on so it is a paramount it's that sense of curiosity what makes me tick Actually, the you know the kind of action. Remember, remember, I talked about action very broadly. Choice, choice making that we do. Investigation is actually not uh, analytical. You know, it's not got a whole load of. It's a very simple um, measuring. You know, basically, the measuring is suffering. Hmm. Not suffering? Mm. Like that. Is there stress here? What's causing it? What specific thing is causing it? Remember, it's not you. It's a particular sankara. It's causing a particular piece of program that's causing it. It's not your fault. And then, how does that get unlodged? Can you witness where that's coming from? Do you need to be that again? Do you need to be the small one? Do you need to be the centre again? Do you need to be the one who's left out? Do you need to be the one who's got to do it all? Do you need to be that person yet again? Or could you just... What would it like if you weren't the person in the centre? What would it be like if you weren't the person at the end of the line? What would it be like if you weren't the one who got missed out? What if you like, you know? Just imagine what it would be like. And do you have to go down the road of yourself again? Do you have to? Do you have to go, oh well, you have to go, 
Never mind. Again? Do you really mean that little to yourself? Do you really offer yourself so little? So it's not really a whole kind of in-depth analysis of why, why I'm the way I am and so forth and so forth. It's just saying, because it's not really couched in personal terms. It's just saying, yeah, there's some stress here. You know, there's a sense of resignation or a sense of being shoved or a sense of holding down or a sense of clawing out for something. What's that? Do you, what would it be like if you didn't need, if it wasn't necessary to do that and how for what for a lot of people comes up they start to get a sense of it what would it be like to be loved just be blessed what would it be like to be really welcomed what would that be like and it's not necessarily, you know, you do a word like love as a kind of great effulgent emotional gush, but just the sense of something is pleased with you, something okays you, something says, fine, sit down, have some soup. Mm. That kind of quality. Well, you don't have to win it, deserve it, make it, be judged for it. Just something... This is for you. What would that be like? A kind of an impersonal quality because it's not really looking at you as a good, bad, half good, 10 out of 10, 5 out of 10 person. Just you are a human being. You're welcome. Hmm? What would it be like? for a moment when those particular patterns start happening what do you like just to be let off (laughs) so how you figure it the you say that often the, the tool, the tool may seem too clunky, you know, the, the art, whatever you like to call it, manasikara, you only saw manasikara, deep attention, attending deeply, attending to the source of things, the yonis or the origin. What's behind all this? What's behind all this? You know? Where are you coming from? What's behind this? And just... You get to these points of compulsion and habit. Wait a minute, what's behind what's you know what's behind all that? The feeling of you need to, you got to, you are, you aren't, you know? That's that's suffering. That's stress, that's that's push, isn't it? Suffering is such a strange word like love itself. But you know, that the, the that which pushes you into a pattern, you know? Suddenly your life is no longer something that's free, it's prescribed and you're pushed into that, down that again. 
and it's something that bits of us do the ignorant bits, the unknowing bits, the ungenerous bits do they push us into those partic- down those particular pathways neglect carelessness, recklessness hmm so it's, it's feeling into that and then there is an end to, there is you don't have to be this there's an end to this what would it be like so you see we don't actually do the end but you at least sustain faith in your own awakening and that awakening comes from these transpersonal factors mindfulness, investigation joy, ease, equanimity these kind of transpersonal factors are the ones that actually take you out of your script and then when they're they're no longer when they finish their work they, they fold up so you've got these kind of transpersonal causal factors or the, the work of the awakening factors. And now, you know, the bit that I do is just to keep these primed, just to keep these going. You know? So it's rather like when you, when you want to warm a room, you know, you maybe like go in there, chop up some wood, chop, 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 chop the wood, get the stove going, light the fire, look at the damper, get the flue on, you know, turn it in. And then, okay, now the fire's going, it's starting to warm the room. What I have to do, really, I don't have to keep chopping it, wooden, you know, I've got the thing going. What I do is, first of all, stay in the room, rather than wander off somewhere else. Stay, <laughs> give it time, and then the warmth starts happening. You stay with it. You let rest in it, you linger in it, you've done some work, now you stay with that and you take it in and you let the results, the fruits of that begin to have their effect. And as you notice, you light a fire, it's not suddenly switching on its blade, it's nice and warm, it switches it on and it's just the same. And after a while, the, the chill starts to lessen and you get warmer and then warmth happens and it keeps happening. And maybe occasionally you just chop another bit of wood and throw it on. But it's not like you're continually cranking the stuff out. And yet there is a process of cause and effect that's going on, but it's not proceeding from the person. It's proceeding as the results of skillful factors, mindfulness, investigation, joy, calm, you, you know, the stuff, the lists. And they tend to lead themselves, they lead one leads into the other. You know, with mind, when there's mindfulness, sustained mindfulness, and you've got the ability to bear something in mind, then you can start to, hey, what's this about? Investigation. You investigate, <clears throat> brings a kind of energy into the mind, enthusiasm. You know, like that, your mind starts to brighten, becomes more joyful. It's joyful, comes out of its dullness, its fidgetiness, its nervousness, it feels ease. 
tranquility, then it collects, it gathers, it settles down. Because of that it becomes more equanimous, because it's got its own balance. These are the things that unwind these sankharas. So you can see meditation I always see is such a helpful um, wood chopping exercise. Chopping wood, putting it in the fire, keeping it going. Don't leave the room, you know, you've done the work, don't (laughs) wander off somewhere else, just stay here. You know, and then get get some of that stuff, get the place warmed up, and then you begin to bring yourself into that warm place, and kind of you know, it begins to dissolve bits at a time. bits of things that you think you must bits of the things you think you assume you always are and you think everybody else thinks you are or wants you to be or imagines you are or whatever mm. so we you know, it's quite a miracle to be in a, a human birth with that possibility. Anyone? <coughs>